0: So today I would like to go into some of those things which we might say are uh, dangers or we might say these are things which are scary, things which inspire fear, things which are fearsome. in buddhism the fear is a very important uh a very important state of mind the word fear is found in many different many different uh Many different categories. There are many different kinds of fear that it's used in many different ways. For instance, there's fear of doing evil deeds. It's called otapa. Then <coughs> there's fear which uh, which arises in ordinary people. Fear of ghosts. Fear of fear of loss fear of suffering, and so on. Then there's seeing the fearsomeness in things, seeing the danger in things. It's not being afraid, but seeing how scary or how fear-inspiring things are, how dangerous uh, attachment, things like attachment and karma, and so on rebirth, how scary these things are. And this is something that arises during meditation practice. Realizing how dangerous certain mind states, certain uh, certain avenues, certain karmas, certain actions. And so in in the Buddha's teaching there's a whole bunch of things there's sets of things which are considered to be fearsome or uh, inspiring fear which are scary and the first set is something which everyone finds fearsome or finds sees as a danger it's sort of something that everyone has to has to meet with in their lives. These four things are birth, old age, sickness and death. These four things, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be a good person or a bad person, rich or poor. wise or uh, unintelligent, but all, of, all four of these things come to everyone. Birth is something we've already, we've already met with. Birth is something scary because it leads to uh, many dangers that follow. Birth is something, actually, something that we rarely see as scary. We think of birth as a, a joyous thing and we celebrate it every year, no? Yes, yes. Oh, yes, this was the day I was born on. Isn't that great? We're very happy to be born, no? Happy to have been born. Sometimes people think that Buddhists are, are, are miserable people because we. We say there's no reason to be happy that you were born. But, uh, this is only because those people they, they've never practiced meditation. They've never come to see uh, that actually, in so many ways, we're trapped. We've trapped ourselves and we're caught up in in a miserable state. People don't see that they're actually suffering a lot, and they try to pretend that they're not suffering. And to pretend that there's a lot of happiness in life. And so they end up being the miserable ones. Actually Buddhists, when we give up this attachment to being born and attachment to life, in general we find our lives are actually much more peaceful and happy because we're not attached. We don't feel uh, good about anything really. We just in general there's a general state of peace and happiness. There's no no one thing that we hold on to. But in general, I think it's for most people, it's hard to see that birth is really a bad thing. But it's very easy for us to see that because of birth, there arises many other things, specifically old age. When we get to be 80 or 90 years old, it's not a lot of fun. Sickness, when we have to uh, meet with all kinds of uh, temporary or uh, fatal diseases. And in the end when we have to die, because in the end we all have to die. And from, actually these are only, <clears throat> we say these things, everyone has to meet with them, but actually they don't have to be dangerous. If our mind is set in the right way, old age, even sickness and death, can actually very, be very peaceful events. But only to the, only when we're able to let go of life, let go of our attachment to all of the things which we crave and which we hold dear These are things which are, are worth, worth being uh, afraid of, worth taking as dangerous, and worth understanding as dangerous, but in the end they don't have to be. The reason they're dangerous is because we're really like children, where our minds are untrained, we're, un, we're unable to see clearly about the things around us, and so as a result we hold on to so many different things, this one is good, this one is bad, and we're always running away from the bad ones, running towards the good ones and so it's very dangerous. It's something that we really should that really wakes people up when they when they when they realize that we all have to die when it really hits them that death is just around the corner that all of these things are just around the corner it makes them wake up and say, "I've really got to train my train myself, or these are going to be." very terrible, uh, terrible situation, terrible things. Sometimes when we see oh, people getting old, we see people getting sick, we see people dying, this is when we start to say to ourselves, uh, it's time to time for us to come into practice, time for us to come in to do something. We wonder, why do people have to suffer like that? We see people crying and... Uh, in great suffering at the time of death, and we wonder how it 's possible that we can be free from that kind of suffering and so we come to practice because really a lot of our our efforts now are only really going to become useful when at the moment when we when we realize all of this pain and suffering, some people wonder why it is that we're torturing ourselves through all of this pain and difficulty these very difficult to endure states right now. You know, we could be at home enjoying all, all of the things that we have and living our life in a state of, of indulgence. Why do we have to sum, come and sit through this pain? If I just move my legs, stretch my legs out, the pain will go away. Why, sh- why should I sit, with, sit through the pain? And here's the reason, is that it is specifically this inability to endure pain that's going to cause great difficulty for us later in life. In fact, this would cause us great difficulty even now. But it's something that we don't see, because nowadays, when we're young, we're still able to run away from it to some extent. And we think that we'll be able to run away from it for all time. When we come to sit in meditation and we acknowledge pain, pain we come to see that actually it's not something that we can control, not something we can uh, make go away. When we come to see it as something that really, doesn't really belong to us. We say, I'm in pain, but actually there's just a pain that arose. There's no I involved at all. And when we see like this, we're able to live with the pain without, uh, without becoming upset or disturbed by it. So the practice of meditation is, is how we remove these, these things for sure. How we do away with all of the dangers involved with old age, with sickness and death. It's really the only way. <clears throat> because even people who are able to avoid suffering up until the point of death, there's no way they can avoid the moment of death where they have to face everything that they've done in their lives and where they will cling to something based on where their, their, their mind, their state of mind will really determine where they're going from that point on. People whose minds are like animals, there's no question they will be born as animals. There's no question whether they will be born as animals. For sure they will be born. People who are full of anger and hatred and have done many things based on anger and hatred, for sure they will be born in hell. People full of greed will be born as ghosts. People who have done very good things will be born in heaven. Ordinary people, people with ordinary human minds will be born as ordinary humans and so on. So in the end we we can't escape our addictions, our attachments. We'll have to be born again. And even if we have the good luck to be born as a human again, and again, and again, and again. Eventually we have to see that this is... First of all, it's not, not permanent. We don't know when we're going to slip and do something wrong and get on the wrong path. If you ever see these people who start out good, start out with wholesome minds, but then they get in with the wrong friends, or they, something bad happens to them and they take it the wrong way, and suddenly they're on the wrong track, it's very easy for us to fall, on, fall off the wagon to fall onto a bad track, bad way. And suddenly, before we know it, we're back in the lower realms. The lower realms are very easy to be born. It's very easy to be born as an animal. It's not very easy to be born as a human. And second of all, we have to see that even being born as a human is full of many kinds of suffering which, uh, which are really unnecessary. And all of the pleasure and the happiness that we get being a human, it's really, in the end, meaningless, no? If we look at all of the things we can accomplish in this life, they've all been done before. And, and when, when the person who did them died, they slowly, slowly fade away. Until the end, there's, there's no meaning. There's, no, there's nothing remains. There's no meaning that we can find in this life that in the end is going to mean something. It's all meaningless. So when we get caught up in this meaninglessness, our lives are are meaning meaningless. Our lives are are you know, caught up in things where we find meaning in those things which are useless, which are have no benefit to. Um, can't be of any benefit. There's no. They, they in the end have no real effect. This is the first set of. So the first set is these facts of life. The second set is. Uh, those dangers which exist for people who do bad things those dangers which exist for all of us who still have uh, kilesa, who still have defilements as long as we still have greed as long as we still have anger as long as we still have delusion these are things which we should be afraid of we should be afraid of uh, of uh, our own our own finding fault in ourselves we should be we should be worried that when we do bad deeds we're going to find fault with ourselves we're going to reprimand ourselves and we're going to give rise to anger towards ourselves and feelings of guilt we're going to reprove ourselves the second we're going to other people are going to reprove us People who know, people who understand what is right and what is wrong, are going to say many bad things about it. The third is we get in trouble with the law, we get in trouble with uh, with institutions, we get in trouble with our families or our societies or so on. And number four, when we die, we go to a bad place. So first, the first one, the first one is. is is of course very important in meditation it's very important to realize that uh, all of the bad things that we've done are going to come back to us and this is one of the things that's very clear in meditation that all of the bad deeds which we've done in this life are going to come back to us when we remember them when we think of them and as a result we're going to get very upset at ourselves we're going to think of ourselves as stupid or as evil or as useless or so on give us all all of these bad names Um, but another thing we have to understand is that this is also, this is further kilesa this is further defilement this doesn't mean that it's a good thing to, to beat yourself up over bad things you've done, it's actually an unwholesome thing it's like an unwholesome thing that we've done before and then we put more unwholesomeness on top of it by hating ourselves by attacking ourselves we're making, we're making worse worse karma for ourselves. But it's inevitable that these things should come up. It's inevitable that we should feel, uh, we should understand the bad, um, the bad nature of the bad things which we've done. But it's not inevitable that we should have to then hate ourselves for it. But this is one danger that exists. As long as we're not mindful, for sure, we're going to hate ourselves, we're going to feel very bad, we're going to have states of sadness, states of remorse. And when these come up, we have to be very careful to acknowledge them very quickly so that we don't wind up hating ourselves or getting worried, sometimes even getting worried to the extent that it blocks our practice. We've done bad things and we know they're bad things, but then we get really worried about them, thinking that we're we're not a good person and maybe we can't become enlightened now or so on. When we do this we're just creating more more evil for ourselves, we're, we're dirtying our minds even more. We have to be careful about this one, to acknowledge sad, sad, worried, worried, angry, angry at yourself, angry, angry. Not to let it get out of control. If we remember something we did just say remembering, remembering. It's enough that we know it was a bad thing, we don't have to hate ourselves for it. But this is something which is very common. It's a very grave danger. People can even get to the point where they kill themselves because they think they're useless. The second is uh, when other people say bad things about us, this is also very common. Anyone who's ever um, done, gotten into inappropriate behavior or so on, and then they find that their friends suddenly start ostracizing them, you find this is quite common. Uh, Sometimes people start saying bad things behind our back, Sometimes people come and shout at us and say bad things to us. Most people have in, have endured this. In fact, it's possible even that that people blame you for things you didn't do or blame you for um, for things that are not blameworthy. But here we're specifically talking about when we've actually done bad deeds. And in fact, sometimes doing bad deeds leads to many, many, many problems. You can do... Some th- one thing you did bad, and suddenly everyone blames you for everything else as well. Suddenly they start to try to find. You know, you make enemies with someone, and suddenly they try to find all all sorts of things that you've done, or they make up all sorts of false rumors, or so on. It's very dangerous. What's dangerous is what other people are going to do to try to get a, to get back at us. Uh, but this is, this is sort of number three, I guess. Number two is simply talking about when people say bad say bad things to us, or reprimand us when we've done bad things. Our friends look down upon us, our parents, our teachers, our, or even our meditation teacher might say, scold us if we do bad things. This is a danger for meditators. Even if Meditators are talking then the teacher might come up to them and tell them not to talk. But the third one is is other sorts of punishment that other people inflict upon us. Punishment that the law inflicts upon us when we do very bad things. Punishment in of the meditation center where they they tell us we have to leave or they tell us you know, we have to watch out or else they're going to make us leave or so on. All sorts of punishment which we <clears throat> may have to go through for the bad deeds that we've done. But the fourth one is of course the most scary. And as I've talked about when I talked about karma, it's that when we die, something comes up. It's like, it almost seems like Russian roulette, or, or like, like roulette or so on. You don't know where, wheel of fortune and so on. At the moment of death, we, it, it seems like that. We don't know which one it's gonna land on, but actually it's quite, uh, quite predictable. If you're a Buddha, say, you can, you can find it quite predictable, but, but for all of us who have no idea, it seems very much random. When you die, you don't know what it is. It's going to push you on. But in general, as I just mentioned about the karma, it's easy to it's easy to break it, at least up into some sort of hierarchy, where the very strong bad karma you've done that start that's the first one, that's most likely to give result when you die. The second one is things that you do right when you're dying, and the third one is things that you've done quite often in your life until finally it's just some, some random act that you did. If there's no other particular heavy or special karma, then it's just some karma that you did that could be any karma. So obviously the more bad things we do, the more likely it is that we're going to fix, we're going to attach to this, these bad things when we die. And we can only see this through meditation, because when you meditate, all of these things come up and we do fix on them. This is what I mentioned about the first one, when we hate ourselves because we've done some bad things or we feel guilty because we've done some bad things. So we can feel happy that we're getting this out of our system now in the meditation and it's so much suffering having to remember these things. But it would be much worse suffering if this came at the last moment because when that's all you have to cling to and suddenly the body is gone and, and there's no going back, that becomes your reality and that creates a new existence. So these four are are dangers which exist. This is talking about things which are really scary. It's easy, I guess part of why this is important to talk about is because it's very easy for us to get afraid of things which are not worth getting afraid of. Some people are afraid of losing their family. Some people are afraid of losing their wealth. Some people are afraid of uh, losing their health. Some people are afraid of losing... uh, all sorts of things. Losing possessions, losing uh, afraid of meeting with people. Sometimes we're afraid of seeing this person or that person. When we hear someone's coming to talk to us we get all afraid. Uh, When we hear we have this big meeting that we have to attend we get afraid. Uh, When we have an interview for a job we get afraid. Uh, All of these fears are fears that we have to put aside. We have to see what is really scary. And if we see what is really scary, then all of these other things seem useless. Like people who you know, worry about their possessions, and you think, how stupid this person! But they don't realize that that they're they're on the way to death. It's like it's kind of like a person on the way to execution, and suddenly he starts worrying about, uh, you know, I left the, the I left the keys I left the I left my car door open or something like that, uh, or I I. Uh, you know and forgot to feed the fish or something like that it's it's kind of equivalent to this sort of thing we're on the way to there's much worse things out there that we have to be really worried about that we have to really set our minds on like why are we worrying about such simple things like uh, possessions or relatives why are these things so much so important to us we're like we're like crazy people like the story that the buddha told of this man clinging this man had fallen down the well and uh, at the bottom of the well there is a snake a poisonous snake and he's holding onto the rope and there's two mice a black one and a white one nibbling away at the rope and uh, then at the top of the and and at the top of the well There's a man comes by And says here give me your hand I'll pull you out But the man looks over On the side of the well And he sees this He sees this honey This, this bees nest That had grown up in the well And the bees, are, the bees are Coming over and stinging him And so he looks at the bees nest And he sees that there's honey dripping out And so he grabs at some of the honey And he starts eating the honey and this man's like, hey, give me your hand, I'll, let you, I'll pull you out And he says, he's, no, no, I'm, he says, wait, wait, I've got to eat all this honey and Lord Buddha told this story and he said, you know, is that person wise or is that person an idiot? And any of us would look at this case, these mice, if the mice bite the rope, then the rope falls If he falls, then the snake kills him uh, and, and even the honey is certainly not worth it because these bees are there stinging him why doesn't he just take the man's hand and, and, and get out of the well and the Lord Buddha said this is like all of us we're like a person who has fallen down the well and is hanging by this rope and the two mice the black and the white one are day and, night and day and night and day are nibbling away at our rope nibbling away at our life and at the bottom is death at the bottom is the snake of death and here we are eating this honey because we've got these sensual pleasures which we can find so, so little gratification in very brief gratification like this honey it's right? sweet just for a moment and oh how sweet and, and even that is not, is, is, is not worth it because then there's all these painful feelings which we have to deal with, right? There's nobody out there who claims to feel only happy feelings and doesn't ever have unhappy feelings or unpleasant feelings so we're all like this person, we're sitting here saying, "Oh, I, I, this is such good food," or "Oh, I enjoy this," and we're like we're like idiots. We're not realizing how how uh, how lost we are, how uncertain this life is. we can't this is what I talked about yesterday about Awicha where ignorance is the cause of all of our problems. We're like ignorant people, this ignorant man in the well who doesn't realize that. He's about to die, and if he just take, took this other man's hand and let him pull him out, he'd be fine. And so, we well not only that, we also get worried about this, what I was talking about. It's not only that we're uh, concerned with sensual pleasures, but we're also concerned with our suffering. So, suppose this man were then to say, Oh, no, these bees are stinging me, let me, let me worry about this bee sting first. The bee sting's nothing, he should just get out of the well, no? And here we are worried about our health, worried about our possessions, worried about our our wealth, worried about our families, worried about things which are so impermanent, so small, so trivial. And so this is the, the story that the Lord Buddha gave. So here today I'm talking about these things which are really scary. So evil deeds are a very scary thing because we blame ourselves. Other people blame us. This is something that monks have to reflect on every day. Uh, is there anything that I can, anything that I've done wrong that uh, that I could blame myself for? And then, is there anything I could do, I've done wrong that other people who knew, people who knew, who understand, might blame me for? We have to reflect on this, what are the bad things we've done that we might blame ourselves for, so that we don't do them again, so that we don't get caught up in these things. A very important thing for us to reflect on, have I done anything? Am I engaging the things which I am engaging in? Are they really wholesome or would, would I blame myself for them if I were someone else? And will other people blame me, people who know, people who practice well? We should look at our lives Not just pretend to be perfect people, but also look and see what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong, even in private. This is the second set. The third set of things which are dangerous or fearsome are those things which are dangerous for people who are on the road to do good things. Specifically talking about monks. It's specifically a talk directed towards monks, but... It has equally, if not more importance for all of us who are practicing meditation, and these are the, these are also the dangers of for people who are traveling on the ocean, people who are setting out to cross the ocean because when you're setting out to cross the ocean, there are four dangers which you might encounter, which you have to be always on the always on the guard for always on the guard against uh, and be very careful when these things Uh, come near. The first one is waves. Obviously waves, tidal waves, or um, very large waves are a very grave danger for someone who is setting out on the ocean. The second one is crocodiles. Crocodiles are very dangerous. If if your boat is not uh, well strong, and if you don't have a big boat, suppose you're on a raft in the ocean, crocodiles can be very dangerous. If you're in a small boat, Crocodiles could be of grave danger to you. The third one is whirlpools. Whirlpools exist in the ocean, no? If you get stuck in a whirlpool, uh, that can be it. It pulls you down, drowns you. And number four is sharks. Sharks are very dangerous. Sharks are something they if you ever seen the movie Jaws, no. <laughs> Jaws is a wonderful movie. Wonderful because because of this teaching. I was on the plane on my way, I think, back to Thailand once, and the f- person in front of me was watching Jaws. I've never seen the movie myself. But I got to watch clips of it, just glimpses of it. And it's amazing this this <laughs> this shark just wouldn't let go. Man, it was a very well done movie. It's like just when you thought they were safe, no, it comes back again gives you this this vivid picture of how dangerous sharks are it's just it's an absurd movie in the end really it's just absurd how how this shark I mean just that's why it was such a great movie right because it was it was like it just the audience was just pulled in again and again Just oh my god scary thing sharks are things which when they bite they don't let go when they want to eat they're fish no? so they don't know They don't know enough, you know, when they're in pain, they don't know enough to run away. Very single-minded animals, very focused. This is the kind of concentration which we don't want to develop. So what do these four things mean to us? Well, according to the Lord Buddha, waves means uh, ripples of anger that arise in us when the teacher teaches us something or when we have to practice meditation, waves of boredom, uh, not being able to abide by the teaching as it's given, not being able to stay with the training, finding anger towards the training or boredom or uh, getting upset with the teacher, getting upset with the surroundings. This is a grave danger for meditators. It's something we have to always be on the lookout for, for boredom, wanting to run away, wanting to go home, this anger towards things that arise, or when the teacher gives us more, gives us, tells us to do this, we can't do this, we can't do that, we have to do this, we have to do that, and we're unable to abide by it, we get angry, we get upset. This is a grave danger because then it's very difficult for the teacher to advise us, and sometimes the teacher might even give up, give up on us if we're very uh, naughty or very un, untrained, unteachable, if we don't listen to the teacher. Uh, crocodiles is, a, is uh, well. Crocodiles are an animal that has a very large mouth. You can see that the percentage of the crocodile's body that is its mouth—I don't know how much, maybe 30 percent of its body is, is its mouth. No? So this refers to uh, our attachment to uh, or sort of our, our our proclivity towards gluttony, towards eating, and towards the simple pleasures in life. Eating a lot of food, when we come to eat here, where we get very uh, addicted to a, a lazy, gluttonous sort of lifestyle, where we uh, we just live to eat. No? Uh, my teacher I said, "Eat to live, don't eat to live; don't live to eat. No? We Live to practice, don't live to eat." And so. I think this is dangerous where we don't see, where we have our priorities not set straight. We come here, we say we're coming to meditate, but we're just really um, lounging around and we're addicted to comfortable seats and comfortable beds and good food and where everything is really nice and so we get all uh, we get lazy. This is sort of a lazy state. It's very dangerous meditators when they get lazy, when they get attached to these things, when they're just always thinking about food and so on, always thinking about, they're worried about their bodies or so on, worried about their health, worried about uh, hunger, when hunger arises not being able to. Food is a very important thing because of the, the sickness that we call hunger. Hunger they say is the worst sickness that exists. But it doesn't have to be a, a sickness at all, actually. If we, when we're hungry, we say to ourselves, hungry, hungry. This is, I think, a very important part of meditator's practice, is to be able to say, hungry, hungry. Uh, I think it's, it's a problem for some meditators because uh, they've, they've found themselves getting caught up in drinking soya milk or milk in the evening, things which are heavy and which cause drowsiness in the evening. Actually, in the Buddhist time, all they drank would be juice, fruit juice, or vegetable juice, or something which was very light. It would give them actually give them energy, not have be full of fat and protein to drag them down. And also, it's something that allows you to focus on the hunger. You still have the hunger, so you're able to say to yourself, hungry, hungry. And you're able to overcome this attachment to food. And you see that actually you don't really need to eat anyway don't really need to run away from the hunger at all. As you acknowledge again and again, you find that you don't ever get hungry really at all. You find that hunger was really just associated with greed and attachment. This is the third, second danger for meditators. The third danger uh, is the danger of sensuality. Where meditators get caught up in looking at beautiful things, listening to wonderful sounds, uh, smells tastes and feelings you know, we have to have a comfortable seat and we have to have good food uh, where people are not, are not acknowledging these things when something good arises or something, or something bad arises we don't acknowledge them and so our minds are always in a constant state of flurry uh, chasing after good things or wishing or, or wanting for good things and getting ready to go and chase after good things and always upset and annoyed by bad things. When sounds arise that are unpleasant we get angry about them. When we see things we don't like, when we smell things we don't like, when this food is no good we get upset. The greed and anger are of course of grave danger for meditators. These are the reason why our meditation is not peaceful, it's not calm getting upset at things when they're not the way we want them to be. This is something that we have to watch out for when we like something or dislike something. We see, hear, smell, or taste, or feel. We have to be very careful to be mindful of this and not let it overpower us, because this is why we can't sit for long periods, why we can't stay put, because we're always chasing after these things. This This is like a whirlpool which drags us down. We can't rise up. Our minds cannot be free. Whenever we're holding, <coughs> holding on, whenever we're wanting for something, we have to understand that meditation is for the purpose of letting go. We're training ourselves to get to the point where we can actually let go, which is a very difficult thing to do. It requires training and it has to overcome all of these mind states. So we have to watch and take care when these things arise in the mind. The fourth one, and the final one, is uh, sharks. Well, this is, I talked about the danger of sharks and how when they bite, they don't let go. And as I mentioned, this is a talk given to monks, so the answer uh, in terms of what is a shark, and for a monk, it's a woman. Women are, <laughs> women are sharks, right? Because sharks, when they, <laughs> when they grab you, they don't let go, you know? They bite you, they eat you all, and then you're gone, dead, dead monk. <laughs> but, but it's not, I mean, you don't, don't feel, don't be angry with me that this is, you know, a very chauvinistic sort of teaching. You know, for women it's obvious that women have a very da- strong danger as well, and that's generally men. But we understand the meaning here, and the meaning is uh, s- sexual desire or romantic desire and attachment which the Lord Buddha said is, of course, the, the strongest of the attachments. And whenever monks tell you they're disrobing for this or that reason, reason, I very rarely believe them. I've seen many of my friend monks disrobe, and they always have this or that excuse. And they always say that they're not going to go out and find a woman, but they give them a week or two once they're gone and they're already married or, or engaged or so on. It's a very dangerous thing for a meditator more so, I suppose, for a long-term meditator. And, of course, you could expand this to include attachment to our our spouses, or even attachment to our families and attachment to other people, attachment to friends. It's all really under the same category, except it becomes most, um, most strong, most uh, concentrated when it refers to romance. But actually, in the end, it's the same the same emotion. In the West, we separate them, but If you consider our attachment to our children, for instance, it's because of the feeling that we get when we're near our children, this happy feeling of of cuddling with them or still of touching their bodies, of getting this sense of closeness, of pleasure, or talking with them, hearing their voice and so on. It's still this happy feeling which arises. But it's just most concentrated when it comes to romance or sexual, sexual interaction and so on. That It becomes most... Concentrated and most strong for human beings it's actually only a human in the human and animal worlds that this very strong concentration of desire of attachment arises but I think it's um, it's most pertinent, especially for long term it's something that you have to if you stay here for a long time, i suppose for young people and so on you have to be very careful and this is generally why we separate out the genders because in general it's still most common for uh, men to be attracted to women, and women to be attracted to men, and so generally what happens is, um, not that people run away with each other, this happens sometimes, but generally it just disturbs the mind. You know, it's a, if the shark doesn't get you, it still makes you all upset. So when we see, or when we interact with uh, things, people which, people who, who you know, uh, give rise to these emotions, it can be very dangerous. Dangerous for our meditation it can cause our minds to become upset and to be flustered and bothered, so we have to be very careful around those people who we find so suppose we find attractive or uh, we, and even those people who we love our family we have to be careful around them um, that we don 't become attached that we don't become because we 're just training um, i, I don 't want to make it sound like we we, we have to shun other people but we're like people who are, who are alcoholics and when you're an al- or drug addicts and when you're a drug addict you have to stay very far away from drugs you can't just say oh that's okay I'll just acknowledge I'll just won't chase after it but it doesn't really work that way the mind is the attachment is so strong this is the difference between tanha and upadana upadana is is uh, clinging but tanha is just craving Craving is something which we can acknowledge, but once it gets to upadana there's no there's no getting away from it, and this is very very common, very prevalent in our in our minds this upadana once it arises there's no acknowledging anymore right away we have to chase after we have to obtain the object of our desires so these are just some more things that we have to be concerned about in our meditation and in our practice and for those, those people who are considering to stay long term or to help us to build up our meditation center here. Right now we're talking about buying a piece of property, the monastery is talking about buying a piece of property to build a new center. We went to look at it today and probably they're going to go ahead with it. So we'll have to see how that goes, but then we need people to come and stay. And we'll have to see. This is very important things to keep in mind that there are many dangers which we have to face. But some of the another part of this talk is that there are many dangers out there that we don't need to be concerned with. That these dangers are actually meaningless. That's what I always try to impress on everyone: is that in the end, death is not that scary. Today there was a big dog. We were walking in the property, this new property, and there's a homeless man living there and he's got a big dog and he's just squatting. But he's got this dog as kind of protection. And at first it was like, uh-oh. And then I thought to myself, what are you afraid of? If you die, you die. And go up to the dog. And the dog's barking and he's ready to bite or so on. And When he sees that you're not afraid, he's, he gets a little bit worried himself and then you just be careful. But all of these, there's so many things out there that we we, we get... We get so worked up about. We get worked up about this body, oh no, if I've got this disease, oh no, if this happens or that happens. We have a whole different, we have a very perverted way of looking at things. Our, what we call an ordinary way of looking at things, is very perverted, I think. We, we worry about other people, oh, they're gonna get old, sick and die, oh, they're gonna get in trouble. Well, they're, they're, It's clear that they're gonna get in trouble, they've been born, they're going to go through many, many states of suffering. It doesn't mean that when they die, they're gone, you know. If people die and then we say, oh, I could have stopped, or I could have this or that, or oh, they're gone, or so on. They're not really gone, they've just moved on, and they've gone according to their karma. We worry about other people, we worry about their state of suffering, or so on. Well, everybody has to suffer. Suffering isn't the problem. The problem is kilesa, it's defilements. And there's only one way to overcome the real dangers, and this is the danger of kilesa. When suffering comes, you can't stop it. You can't stop someone from suffering. You can only help them to learn to deal with it, to understand it. And you don't have to help people if they already understand it. A person understands about suffering, there's nothing you have to do for them. You only have to help, them, help people who don't yet understand. When people understand, when they give rise to Vicha, they have no more suffering. Anything can happen to them and they're still happy, they're still at peace. They don't really suffer. So this is what we're all trying to aim for. For ourselves and for other people. So we have to understand we shouldn't be concerned about all of these things that we have to face in our lives. Where we're going to live, what we're going to do, how we're going to eat. So many things that we can give up. uh, Without worrying. As I always say, it's like we're afraid of falling, but actually when we let go we see that we just float. We fly. We're birds. We're birds on on the... on the stream, on the, on the in the air. Lord no. Buddha said, a, an arahant is like a bird. They leave no trace. Like the bird leaves, leaves no trace in the sky. An arahant leaves no karma behind, does no evil or even any good deeds. So we become free like a bird. So this is the talk for today. I hope it's been helpful for all of you. Now I ask everyone to continue back to our meditation trying to learn to understand who we are and all about our, how our minds work and overcome our bad and unwholesome tendencies so from right now we start walk, mindful prostration and then walking and then sitting